I know. I, I, I unfortunately, I just missed your wedding when you did. It was you were like around. a couple months. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, when I before I signed up, just all your pictures on Facebook were your wedding pictures. Yeah. Yeah. You looked beautiful in that dress. Thank you. Thank you. It was a, like a roll swap day, you know. It was, and <laughs> and I think you said Saturday nights for you are roll swap. You guys, you have no idea. Throw the dress on. <laughs> That's why it's been tough with COVID because you can't go out and show off all your new uh, pretty clothes. That's exactly right. It's been a burden. <laughs> all right, everyone, welcome to the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. I am your host Andrew Desimoni with other host Croyler Gracie, and. Today we're enjoying one of the, we're the start of hopefully spring. We've had. It's, it, we live in Indiana. It's like um, spring one. And then we're going to go into winter two and then spring two. We're like hobbits with breakfast. Like yeah. our weather is just, we have all these different fake yeah. starts. And right. Yeah. We, so we had some. We're in spring one right now. Spring one. And so to us, spring one is 35 degrees. Yep. And. It's, I'm ready. I drove with my windows down the other day. Yeah. I was outside yesterday with shorts and a t-shirt. Now your gym, you're upsizing and... Yeah, you upscaling, yeah. It's starting on, it's opening up Monday. So Monday. when this podcast comes out, it'll be opening tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And you nervous? You got twice the, twice the size of a gym. You're going to teach twice the amount. Of, you can teach twice the amount of students. And I know you get stage fright a lot when you're teaching we've all so much stage fright we've all seen you start to teach a class and then you start to stammer and stutter and then you get nervous and you've run out of a couple classes because you're yeah you just have like a panic yeah like public speaking is not my thing (laughs) (laughs) did you ever when you started teaching did you ever get like a little nervous no because when i started teaching so young it wasn't nervous like to 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 speak or to teach it was more like will they believe me Mm mm-hmm because I, I started when I was like 12, you know. So for a while you had a... I beat the crap out of people so they would believe me. It was completely unhealthy and not something you should do. Well, it, so it was just based on an insecurity that you had yeah. to... You're like, they don't think a lot of me. Which you're saying like, I don't think a lot of my... I, I, don't, I don't think that I am good enough... Or I don't think that they think enough of me because I don't. I'm a kid. It, it wasn't so much that. It was... Uh, I, I don't know that they'll believe me because I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to beat them mercilessly with a technique that I just showed them until they believe me. <laughs> Completely unhealthy and not something you should ever do. Yeah, and do you have many people w- with you now who started with you then? Because, I, well, I mean, that's a long time, but also you probably had a completely... The people who would have stuck with you then had a different croiler. So yeah. would they have liked a, a, a older evolved croiler? The the only uh, the only people that stuck with me from back then that are so trained today are it's like Steve Dixon, uh, Victor, you know, Dr. Howe. Um, Luca's got a little bit of that at the end. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that was it. What were your classes like as a 12 to 15 year old structure was roughly the same mm-hmm. it just came down to the rolling part you know it was it was a, a battleground every time were you teaching at that age were you teaching like these days these days these days are my classes or your dad would he just like you'd fill in when he couldn't type oh no thing? i was teaching all the time okay yeah and did you did would did you have a structure from him or like cover this or you're on your own nope, figure it out on my own figure it out do you remember the first class you taught no no 
No, it's too long ago. Do you remember when you first started teaching regularly? Yeah, I was like 12. <laughs> and at 12, what you say that the structures were the same for a white belt. You probably, I'm guessing, always for the white belt class. It has well, been no, a, the, the split between the whites and the colors. That was more when I was like 18, 19. But before then, there was always just one long class. Everybody's together. And did that come from, that's just how your dad did it? And that's, is that how they do it a lot in Brazil? Um, well, that's, uh, that's very common in most schools, really, even here in America. But for me, it was more of a transportation thing. I didn't have a car. So, you know, staying super late meant harder rides to the gym, to the house. Oh, okay. So, so it was out of convenience. So then once you made that split at 18, well, before we get to 18, um, I'm still curious to see, to just think about a 12 to 15 year old teaching adults a class. It wasn't pretty. When they, would, <laughs> so that you, you have people coming in and would you, would you start off with like a warm up? Like we're going to do a little workout yeah, or. It would, it would be about a 10 minute workout and then going through the techniques, have everybody practice a few times and then we would roll. And since they were combined classes, what were you doing to have the white belts and color belts kind of I, I, I wasn't. I didn't. That's part of being young and not knowing how to teach. I, I didn't pair people to account for level differences. I didn't really, truly, I didn't even necessarily knew to walk around and make sure people were doing it right. Because to me, at that age, teaching was just, I've shown a technique, go do it. And that was it. That's where my job ended and your job begun as the, the student, you know. Um, but that's not how it's supposed to be. Right. Did you use the class as, like, your time? Like, I'm going to use this. Because right now when you're teaching classes, I don't think you're in your head. You're like, how how am I going to learn from this or grow apart from as a teacher? Um, when you were doing it as a kid, did you think, I'm just going to, like all right, guys, here's the technique, go do it, and then I'm going to practice the technique with someone and roll or... No, I, I got had so much rolling time. Really, my only focus, you know, at that age was just being tough. It wasn't like being better or improving. It was just making sure that every day people were aware that I knew my shit. It wasn't about being the, the best whatever belt. It was just people just need to know <laughs> the people that are here need to know i don't care about anybody else mm -hmm. what belt were you from 12 to 15 um i, w I was a yellow for us green for a while and i got oh my, that's right i forgot you'd have yeah, yeah you'd have yeah, ki kid I got, belts i got my blue belt which um, is funny because there probably aren't many no you don't see many people no. teaching a class that are uh no. yellow or green belt yeah, that's that's what i'm saying it <laughs> shouldn't have happened but it did <laughs> well and i mean that i'm obviously forced you to to mature in a way that few people have sure. to have to develop when they're learning jujitsu, and so you're 12 or 15, and did you have a? Because you're a very logical person who likes to think of the big picture. At that age, were you thinking, "I want an overall um, lesson plan that, like, here's the cycle I want to go through," or were you more just thinking, like, on a short term, week to week, or month to month basis? Um, at that time, I was still thinking like a week to week. Um, every class was something new, something different. Um, I was still doing patterns of attacks, the the combinations, because that's how my brain has always functioned. All right, so yeah, similar to um, right now, but but maybe lack of discipline, lack of focus, maybe. Um, I would cover, you know, let's say in our in any particular series that we do, right? Um, we may take six months to a year to cover. 
I, you know, and let's say there's roughly 50 techniques. So roughly one technique a week. And that's kind of what we do now. One or two techniques a week. Mm-hmm. Um, that way it gives you time to learn, practice, troubleshoot, ask questions, analyze, implement, and so on. Being younger, I would still show in a similar pattern of attacks, right? A number of techniques that you can do from any one position. But, um, but it would be, here's three or four today, and then tomorrow here's another three or four, and then the next day another three or four, and then in two weeks I've covered the whole thing. And will we now take a year to develop and implement and grow? I was covering two weeks. And for the people that could keep up, that was awesome. But for the people that didn't, that cl- those classes weren't much fun. What do you think it was your retention rate with people around that time? It was very, very small. Um, I had a few people that would stick around because they wanted to beat me. Like that was their, like I knew that was their goal. Like they just wanted to like, you know. They're like, I, all right, I don't, I don't want to be here, but I've just got to beat up this cocky little yeah, 14 I just, year old. Yeah, I just got to do it, you know. Um, and then I had people that uh, wanted to be, you know, MMA fighters who, you know, um, saw it as a test, you know, to, to come to class and, and, and be a tough guy. Um, had a few people here and there that actually wanted to learn and actually wanted to get better, but the, the Steve Dixons and right, yeah, the, right, the Victors, right. Yeah. But, 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 but those are rare, you know, when did Dr. How come train? How old are you? I think I, think I was, I'm going to be 32 this year. So, um, how might've come in when I was like 15, 16. Okay, so I was a I was a sophomore junior, probably closer to junior is when he came in. So you have him come in and people listening, he's he well right now he's he's a black belt now. Right. He came to you, was he a white belt. Brand new he, white he belt. Only, he had only done one class with my cousin Rodrigo in Hawaii. He had one class, one private class with him. Did he do classes with I thought I remember him telling me a story where they did. Maybe it wasn't him; it was his brother or friend. Did they do classes with one of the other Gracies in in California? Uh, Rodrigo. It was, uh, but it was in Hawaii. It was Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. So he he comes in. He has that under his belt, but he also has a pretty good wrestling. Yeah, he had background. Like two decades of Division One wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So comes in and the and what what was what was the effect he had on you what was the first did you guys butt heads at all first were you like a no i'm not necessarily butt heads i mean he was a challenge you mm-hmm. know what I mean? like you know even even though i knew more um obviously a, a huge challenge because not only is is how obviously a smart guy but he's got a ton of grappling experience to back it up and He's a hard worker, you know. He's so, a doctor, so like you said, intel. He has yeah. brains and the brawn. Right, right, and he, he, you know, fit guy works out all the time. You know, very, very smart. Um, great background in grappling, and back then, for really for the for most of his jiu-jitsu career, he was training five, six days a week, more sometimes. Uh, we would do, you know, anywhere between two to four private classes a week. Um, you know, we would meet up and, and roll before classes, after classes. So, I mean, he was putting 15, 20, 25 hours a week in jiu-jitsu every week. Mm-hmm. You know? That was like his um, his new um, hobby, so yeah. to speak, his, his escape, you know. So, um, yeah, he got he got real tough real quick, and, and, and we would have lots of back and forth. And, and 
you know, it lucked out that, you know, his personality and mine, you know, we, we kind of gel very well. Um, he, he's been, you know, you know, for a lot of things, he's been like an older brother to me, you know, um, he's helped me out a ton of different ways. So yeah. Was he teaching or coaching wrestling when he came to you? No, no, he was, he was no, he's not coaching wrestling or anything. He was literally just working and going home, hanging out with his friends every once in a while. Uh, oh, all right. So fast forward to now, he has, he, he coaches wrestling and then he'll obviously do jujitsu. So yeah. he didn't even have that outlet at the time. So he was probably, did he, he came to you dying to like grapple and right. get something. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what did, what did his, did his mentality, did his logical structure, like the way that he thinks of things, did that affect how you teached it all or uh, taught? Oh my God, you uh, teached it all. You taught it all. <laughs> you need to get out of the house, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to yourself is not helping. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, a little bit. I'm sure there's influences there. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, on his on his no-nonsense, you know, approach to teaching. Um, but, but really, uh, a lot of the stuff that that I absorbed from him that really impacted my game wars, obviously the, the wrestling influence, um, picking up, you know, wrestling tricks that are very, very useful in jujitsu was, was hugely beneficial, but also, um, he, he's just, he's very practical. Right. So at that time I needed, like, there were times I needed a kick in the ass. I needed, you know, motivation. I needed somebody to, you know, pull me by the ear and say, no, we're going to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, did you because did you have anyone else on the mats or in jujitsu who could no talk to you that way or like no did, no there's nobody and there's nobody that would, that I would honestly have listened to you know mm-hmm. what I mean like um, do you think you listened to him was it just based on one he was he was good at grappling and two just like you could tell he 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 was a guy who knew who was good on and off the mats with under- yeah I think I think I saw him very early on as like that that mentor role kind of mm-hmm. person um, you know, just life in general you know like he, you know he's lived he's he's seen things done things um, and, and and like I said and I don't think it was intentional on his side I think it just it just rubbed off and um, I remember one time I think I was 17 or 18 I think it might have been 18. It was like my first year of college and like I finally hit like summer. I was working out all the time and I trained in the morning. I, I, I taught in the morning. I worked out. I was exhausted. I was like, it's summertime. I'm trying to relax. And I remember like coming home after class and, and working out and I, I took a shower and I remember laying down and I remember thinking, you know, I'm just going to take a nap. It's going to be fine. And then, you know, I'll get up and go teach class later tonight or something like that. And uh, I don't remember. I had like some sort of a physical activity later in the day. And I remember as soon as I laid down, uh, he, him calling me, you know, and he had just gotten off work and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I just got out of the shower, and which was true. I had just gotten out of the shower and had literally just laid down in bed. And he's like, hey, let's go roll. And I'm like, <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, he'll let it go, you know, because I'm like, I just got out of the shower, man. Yeah, most people would would like that's a social cue where they're like, yeah, all right, yeah, well, right. just all right, well, take it easy, relax. <laughs> he was like, "This is America. Water isn't rationed." <laughs> 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 and I and, and I remember thinking, you know what, he's right, and 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 it was very useful training session for me. But but really, like that kind of mindset where it's like just just shut up, do the work, mm-hmm. you know, work hard, get ahead, be disciplined, be focused, uh, be direct, you know. Um, 
and that very much influenced you know me off the mats of course but also on the mats yeah where you know there were techniques i couldn't do my body just didn't quite understand there's always that moment where it's like you know what just shut up and do it put your nose down get your job done and 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 you know and it paid off you know so then you you hit you get to like right around 18 and then you start to you teach a little differently you split up your classes right what what uh, initiated that um a lot of that was uh, so i remember you know i i was would travel a lot between here in california um visit my family my uncles my cousins and i i thought it was always interesting how my cousins did it and and they didn't so much split colors and whites so much as they have a beginner's course and a general advanced course so um it's like the combatives class and then whatever the other class name is and i thought that was an interesting idea having two general curriculums one for beginners one for advanced do you know how they do they not judge it oh, on it's, it's the combative course and then the advanced class is the master cycle oh okay the the beginners class do they classify it by belt or is it just people who no, you can do both classes all right yeah yeah it doesn't matter what belt color those are just the two curriculums that they have um and i remember that was that's pretty good but it was a little bit um Again, for, for my 18-year-old self, that was a little bit... The idea was good. I didn't like that the curriculums were small enough that they can cycle through it several times a year mm-hmm. um, for you, both the advanced and the beginner's class. And were you just visiting or were you helping out there for a summer? Uh, just visiting, training with them, okay. you know, going to the school, visiting my other my uncles and so on. And, um, and so I liked that idea of, of splitting because not necessarily like how they were doing it, but like how I had envisioned because I wanted to not separate by level, not by program. Mm. Because the biggest problem in jujitsu when you're teaching is do you cater to, do you pull a Donaher and cater to the top 1% of the class? Or do you take a very uh, different approach and you cater to the bottom 1% of the class, right? Because if you cater to the top 1%, you can move at a much faster pace. You can cover many more interesting techniques, more complex techniques, the kinds of conversations and dialogues you can have. And the idea of ex- the exchange of ideas can be a much higher level. It's much more fun. But most people aren't in the top 1%. And, and what I mean by top 1%, I don't even mean like as a black belt. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like just the, the ability to grasp at that level, mm-hmm. right? Because even as a black belt, you may not be operating at the top one percent top one percent being basically people who can absorb it excel learn it yes all right yeah i mean i'm talking about like the prodigies right the Mm -hmm. the the, the gifted people the people like me right 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 um or do i cater to the bottom one percent meaning do i bring the class slow the class down enough that the even the the lowest common denominator can still um keep up with the class the people like me Sure. <laughs> so if we, if we, you know, the problem is if you cater to the top 1%, you lose everybody else. If you cater to the bottom 1%, you also lose everybody else because you're going to bore the people that are ahead, right? So the problem is like, do I, how do I, how do I guarantee that I hit the middle of that curve, of that bell curve without boring the advanced people and without, um, 
being too fast for the lower people. Well, you split by, by experience. You're a, you're a beginner, you go into the beginner's class. Your material will be challenging for you as a beginner, but not be challenging for you as a color belt. And, and, and my curriculum was designed that way. The color belt class is challenging for all levels in the color belt class. Now, if I you know, go to bed tonight and I wake up tomorrow and I have a thousand students, um, I will separate the color belt class further. You know, I will mm. have a blue belt class, a purple belt class, a brown belt class, and a black belt class. Because then you can make that effect even more powerful because now you can target specific levels instead of a general advanced and a general fun, uh, beginner's class. So once you started doing that class, did you, uh, when you, at 18, when you started, how, roughly how big were your classes? How many people did you have? Um, 15 to 20. For your combined classes or once you split them? Once I split them. Yeah. But longevity was a problem. Retention was a problem. Um, I would always get 15 to 20 people a class, but I couldn't keep them. Um, not long term. Mm-hmm. Um, some people thought I moved too fast, others I didn't move too slow. Again, you hit that problem. Um, and then then there's the advent of Marcio, right? Um, it's, if you kick that one more time, I know I, you're I gonna have my, to apologize to the listeners. I moved my foot because that thing is right in the way. Um, there's the advent of meeting Marcio at eighteen, nineteen. Um, at which point, you know, he his approach to jujitsu and and his approach to being a teacher and the teacher student relationship very radically changed how I approached teaching as well. How quickly do you think that mental turnaround took place? It was, it was in the course of a summer. I spent an entire summer with him um, during that time. And that, that summer was enough. It came back completely different mindset. did you have did did you have people like say anything did they i don't think so i think they were still scared of me because i was still coming off of that i'm gonna beat you until you listen <laughs> mentality you know um but but the the approach is completely different coming back you know um which Mar- marcy just had a birthday he did his birthday was was monday um i called him wished him happy birthday you know he's, he's doing well i told him i want to get him out for a seminar um hopefully as COVID slows down and, and things become easier, he comes out. Has his school been running? Yeah, yeah, they've been they've been operating in the past maybe four or five months. They were shut down because Connecticut had stricter guidelines. Has he done any seminars lately? He hasn't. He hasn't really left the state since COVID started. Yeah, justifiably so. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So the 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 mindset changed there, and then I, that helped the retention. That helped me as a teacher. Um, really helped me as a competitor too. Um, it was just it was just a healthier mindset. So during this time, we didn't say, but yeah, you also were competing, and so you get to eighteen, nineteen. You have this flip. It helps you with your competition as well as teaching. When do you then start to what f- what phase, what shift do you have where you start to say, you know, I'm gonna now just transition away from c- competing and just focus on teaching um that was um essentially when i when i you know when i met taylor um not necessarily when i met her maybe about a year year and a half into dating her um i was thinking of proposing of getting you know you know having a family buying a house uh doing all these adult things um 
So I was maybe 24, 25, something like that. Um, I think that's when that's when it kind of solidified in my mind because ultimately to it takes so much energy to be a competitor and I don't mean like physical energy like not the workouts not the drilling not the rolling I mean like the mental side of it you know you, the discipline you have to eat right you, you can't go out you can't you know do anything like you, if, if you really want to compete at a high level like you have to be disciplined at all times and there I don't know if there's a there's <laughs> You already have essentially two full-time jobs. Correct. And so to somehow find a way to work out. Yeah, to to be, to be, the work out, and working out wasn't even the problem, it was just the having the energy to also develop a, you know, a relationship, a family, uh, uh, you know, move on in life. Like, mm. um, it's, it's tough, you know. Um, every relationship you have ultimately comes down to time and energy. If you don't give a relationship, and that's any relationship, friendship, you know, your your work buddies, whatever. If you don't have the time and energy to put into that relationship, it fails. It fizzles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already so strapped for for time for myself um, that the, the remainder of my energy, I had to decide, do I put that into myself? Do I say, no, I won't see my my girlfriend no i won't see my friends no i won't go out and do something fun with my buddies on the weekend i won't you know it, it, i'm just gonna you know train myself you know um that was that was tough for me um plus the my relationship as to my students as a teacher competitor is different than me as a teacher me as a teacher competitor I'm going to beat the shit out of you and say, hey, you need to fix this and I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's your problem to deal with it. Me as your teacher, I'll the, the, the outcome will be the same, but I will focus more on making sure that you understand where you need to develop instead of just telling you, you know, I can say, hey, these things are weak or they should be strengthened or you should focus on this area. And I will give you a few options or ideas on how to develop that. And then I will move on versus me as a competitor. It's like, it's about me. So this is what's wrong, fix it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to move on to the next person. Um, and that's not conducive to developing a school, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's why very rarely do you see world champions, um, or, or even high level competitors, um, that have functioning schools. Very, very rare. Um, as a general rule, if you see something like that, where it's successful, it's really a front, um, they have other instructors teaching on a daily basis and they're just the owner of the school, you know? So once, once you made that switch and you removed something that took a lot of your mental, uh, energy and time and you focus completely on teaching, what are some of the ways that you then changed your teaching? You mentioned a little bit there, as far as you were able to focus with your students on, you could st- you could spend more time with them working through things. What other things did you start to notice that, as a now just just a a, a, a like a Jedi counselor? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what what I, what do you do? What do you I, notice? I understood and I understand. I'm I, I I became more in tune with techniques in a sense of I understood how they function a little bit more. Um, instead of just making them work, I understood why they worked. Um, because 
if I taught somebody something and they didn't have the same abilities that I did, they couldn't just make it work. So I had to understand why they worked. Where is the success points? Where are the failure points? Um, how can we modify for different body types or different ability levels? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I enjoyed teaching yeah. and, and, and it was something I'm good at. Um, I enjoyed seeing people improve. I saw, I enjoy people learning a technique and then a couple weeks later having it ingrained in their game to where they're pulling off in a roll and that aha moment, like there it is. I got it. You know, like that, that was very rewarding for me. That was a nice walk through your, your yeah, development. I, like, I don't know. That's what we we're talking about today, but I guess that's what we're talking about. Me. I, 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 I've, I hate talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought uh, is once we started, I just yeah. started asking questions. Yeah, that you just made me for about an hour. It's fine. You know, you, I know you always say you have three pivotal people in your developmental development is jujitsu. You have how Marcio and me, what, what is the, what is the, <laughs> what is the, what is the world changing? <laughs> You said that with such a straight face. <laughs> For a moment, I'm like, wait a minute. You're like, who's the third person? <laughs> and so I just wonder, like, what oh. was, like, what was the world changing perspective that I brought to the table? Was it, was it, uh, it was, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we'll maybe do another episode on that. Yeah, one. I mean, that, that's a whole, and that'll be a whole other hour that we, we need to talk about. Because you have your, I've always thought of your teaching career and your jiu-jitsu career is kind of the before and after me gotcha so it was like before bef- andrew before how before marcio and then everything else is after andrew well i think you could even break it just make it simple okay two epics you have before me after me okay how and marcio are between or in the are before be- me before you okay. and, <laughs> and then after that's all you it's all I, yeah. yeah we definitely don't have the time to cover that today we'll, we'll do, the, we'll, the magnitude of that is just we'll, yeah astounding. okay we'll, we'll do a three-parter on that <laughs> all right let's uh finish with let's see here today's episode is brought to you by cafe astrology Oh Jesus! That's how we're gonna end this with. We uh, we haven't done one of these in a while. That's well, a good I th- thing. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's actually a good way to end it because we followed you through your life, and rather than ask you what do you see in your future, we might as well just ask the stars what's going to happen Fair in your enough. future. See how my new school's gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. It took me a minute to remember what your sign was, and then that's and, a good thing. And then I heard Dear Aries in my oh, head. I'm like, that's what it is. <laughs> okay, today's today's horoscope for Aries. Transits today tend to nudge you towards positive improvements and changes, dear Aries. Even if motions are up and down, you're working under the radar or behind the scenes these days, but you might also branch out and come up with novel ways of expressing yourself. With money, personal possessions, and valuables, you're doing things just a little differently, and a change of pace feels right. Holy shit, Croiler, this is dead on for you. Let's just finish this off here. You tend to look at your life in new ways, especially private, personal, self-worth, and financial matters. You can readily see areas that would benefit from improved approaches, including projects and attitudes. This, okay, we make fun of horoscopes a lot on here 
But that is that is uncanny. This is called a self-fulfilling prophecy. No, I mean it talks about your branching out. It talks about (laughs) your projects. It also talked about how I was working both under the radar, yeah, and also behind the scenes, meaning like I was being observed and also not observed. Yeah, and that's that's exactly how it is. You're working, (laughs) you're working under the radar by in the sense that you're over in that new gym. Not a lot of people are there. You're you're doing stuff. You're getting stuff uh, set up for your online uh, shop for clothes. You're getting things set up sure. behind the scenes that we don't all know. But that's sure. Should we hold hands for a minute and just and just appreciate? No, it's okay. Everything aligning to show you it's what's right. in your future to come. It's okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you know what? That reminds me. If we've never, we've I don't think we've ever really. Uh, talked about this but people could go to your online shop yeah if you go to croilergracie.com yep if you go to shop you can there's a bunch of croiler merch yep we also need to put some stuff for the podcast we should put some stuff on for there um yeah but for now you could just show croiler some love and buy buy all the shirts there but maybe this will backfire and people in our gym won't be able to buy clothes because we're gonna have That's we're gonna have a flood of people we'll coming just, in. We'll just order more. You're about to see the power of this podcast and the listener base and how massive it is. Perfect. Everything's gonna be sold out in That's the good. next week or two. I expect it within an hour of the episode release. Yeah. Because it takes them take them an hour to listen to it. They will, yeah. yeah. And your agent will call you because you have one of those yeah. and say, you know, We need more t shirts. Yeah, more, more, more. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right, everyone. <laughs> Well, thank you uh, for listening this week. We will talk to you later.